Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for making Teacher Edition Podcast a part of your day. Just a reminder to take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media as well. We are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. That is Teacher Edition Pod. I also want to invite you to go to our website. That's TeacherEditionPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to our emails, and you can also submit your questions and stories. We have had some great questions, and we anticipate more, so keep those coming. We want you to be part of the show. And speaking of being a part of the podcast, I am thrilled to have Natalie Hardy with us today. Natalie has served as a teacher across several grades for 10 years, and she's currently the elementary principal. She earned a master's degree in ed leadership. She and her husband both serve at Florence Christian School, where he teaches and coaches and is also the guidance counselor. They have two sons, and their family enjoys sports, particularly the ones that their boys play and they love having adventures together as a family. When she isn't doing school, which I'm guessing is not very often, Natalie does love to go shopping and also spend some time at the beach. I know I personally always enjoy any time I get to spend with Natalie. She's fun and down to earth, and she really has the heart of an educator. She's not just about getting the job done. She's a friend and a support, and I just really appreciate her. And I was so excited when she agreed to come on the show today. There are so many areas and topics that I knew she could speak to, but as she thought and prayed about it, she landed on mindset, and I couldn't be more excited and interested for what she has for us today. So I'm ready to jump in. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jenny, for the opportunity to to share this. So mindset is so vital. It affects everything we do, for better or for worse. If you just take a second and think of a situation you're dealing with right now, you can quickly come up with varying perspectives based on your mindset. If I want to be somewhere, even a rough situation could be doable. If I don't want to talk to someone, even the most pleasant conversation could seem negative in my mind. So mindset is so impacting. Natalie, let's start with a foundation. Could you lay the groundwork of what you're going to share with us and just give us a little sneak peek of where we're headed today? Absolutely. The title of this came from a statement that our pastor has used before, and he was referring actually to the business world to start with, but it struck me because it fits with what we do each day. And the phrase was, if it matters, we measure it. Why I immediately thought of education and that entered my mind. And so the question was, does what I do each day as an educator matter? Does what all of our teachers do every day matter? And I think we all know if it didn't, we wouldn't do what we do each day. So then my thoughts led to the question of, well, how do we measure this? If it does matter, then how do we measure that? And there were many different goals that can be measured, but there were three specific ones that I'd like to focus on today. Very popular terms in the education world, but does not hurt at all for us to be reminded of these um, helpful hints and important Uh, goals. Okay, this sounds intriguing. Something that stuck out to me in what you just shared was that obviously we think what we do matters because we keep coming back. And I thought 
a lot about that during COVID. That was so rough on everyone. But I can really speak to how rough that really was on teachers. But in spite of loads of emails and Zoom calls and papers being submitted from all directions and absent children and on and on, teachers fought through that. And they may have wondered if they would even live to tell about it. But they had the mindset that what they were doing was vital. And that mindset kept them looking for ways to connect and to motivate and to make school just work in a pandemic. And, you know, for those educators who don't have a mindset that what they do matters, education can be downright miserable. It's hard and draining and expensive. Mindset is just so important. So you mentioned we have three mindsets. So let's explore that first mindset. Well, so I would say our first measurement is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And you may say, well, what is the difference in the two of those? A fixed mindset would say things like, oh, my abilities are unchangeable. Why even try? Or I'm going to choose the easier task because it's very little effort. Or maybe when an obstacle comes my way, I give up. There's just no use in doing all that. And so I think of the student in the student world, This may be a student that believes she's smart, which is not necessarily bad, but she doesn't believe she needs to give effort. I mean, it should just come to me. Why should I even work hard? Or maybe the boy that is faced with a difficult challenge and he would quickly decide it is too much for him to even try that. Um, Not worth the effort. So from these two scenarios in a classroom, we see little to no work ethic. And we see that fixed mindset. It's just, there's no giving on that. The other mindset, though, a growth would say things like, my abilities can change through studying and practice, or I'm going to embrace that challenge and I'm going to give the effort to accomplish that. When an obstacle comes my way, hey, that's my chance to solve that problem. It's a totally opposite mindset. And so let's think of a scenario with that, possibly a student, they appear to love learning, they don't mind giving effort, but that is what they're used to having to do every day. It does not just come to them naturally. She knows she has to work hard and she doesn't think, oh, I'm just smart, so I should get it. Or how about the student that is given a difficult STEAM challenge? It's assigned to them, they look at the steps of that project, Well, a fixed mindset would automatically turn that off, but the growth mindset is going to say, hey, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to ponder on this problem, and I'm going to determine the solution that creates and solves it. So from these examples, we picture a motivated student that thrives in giving effort. Um, And obviously, this is your growth mindset. Now, why do I point these out as a measurement? Well, our students are one thing. But we as teachers, it's a question for us as well. Do you consider yourself a finished product as a teacher or a motivated learner? The mindset that is chosen will determine the course of your classroom each year. If a teacher has the finished product mindset, they're not going to give much effort in teaching. Challenging their students? No, there will not be much of that because they don't believe in that. And I feel like that classroom honestly would be boring each day. It's just a routine of saying things every day. But a teacher that has that motivated uh, spirit of learning and desires that, she or he will pass that on to their students. 
And if, if we're excited as teachers about learning, the students are going to catch that. And I believe that that environment shines brightly in a classroom. Okay, so two points jumped out at me there. So our mindset is contagious. You know, when I sit in on a classroom where the teacher is busy being a learner herself or himself, busy bettering himself or herself, participating in professional development, whatever it may be, finding new ways and better ways to engage the student, that is evident in that classroom. It's not just in the instruction, but in the teachers themselves demonstrating a love for learning. It is contagious. So we all know that there will be that student who refuses to be motivated, regardless of what the teacher does. But that teacher's mindset is still contagious. And on the other hand, in that classroom where the teacher demonstrates a lack of interest in growing or changing from how he or she has always done it, that's reflected in the engagement of their own students. You can see that so clearly. Okay, so the second highlight for me was the question, do you consider yourself a finished product or a motivated learner? I love how you said that. So that's really applicable to the classroom. But wow, it just seems like there is such a connection also to our spiritual lives. Do you have any thoughts on that? There's a definite spiritual connection. If our spiritual mindset is pointed in the right direction, the growth mindset will follow. You know, the Lord makes it very clear in his word. We are not a finished product in his eyes. And as Christians, we should be eager to continue learning, to continue growing every day closer to him, as well as in our careers and our lives in general. And there are several verses that pertain to this, but the one that stands out in my mind is Proverbs 1.5. It cannot be any clearer when it says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. So there's a definite spiritual connection there and a command from, from the Lord that we should follow. So the question goes back to, will we have a growth mindset this year in our classrooms? Excellent. Very thought-provoking. So once again, our mindset is going to impact our actions, even in our walk with Christ. I love that connection there. All right, that's a great start. Are we ready? Let's jump into mindset or measurement number two. Yes. So the second measurement um, probably is one of my favorites, but it's building a community versus classroom management. Now, classroom management is, is just a popular term that we hear, but there's a definite connection with these. When you think of community, I want you to think of the word relationships. Um, the community is the term in the education world, but I feel like in a Christian school, relationships are what we would tend to focus on. Now, we're going to take a little bit different twist on this than what some uh, may hear or read in different journals and things like that. But in all the research that I did on this topic, there was one phrase that stood out to me over and over. Before I discuss this phrase, though, I wanted to share a statistic first, and this really convicted me. 40% of students in your average classroom are disengaged. That's almost half. And when you think of what we stand and do every day and the time and effort that we're expected to give, we want to give, and what we should be seeing happen in our classrooms, for almost half of those students to be disengaged, that's a very large percentage that I would consider a problem. So the phrase from that statistic, the phrase is there is a significant relationship between community and a classroom 
and cognitive learning, learning engagement, and learning outcomes. Well, I mean, we are there for them to learn. So if that significant relationship is there, and this phrase, like I said, was found over and over in different things I read. If that significant relationship is there, then it's obviously a need that the community has built and then leads to this learning. Um, it makes me think of the quote, a student doesn't necessarily care about what you know until he or she knows that you care about them. And I know we have heard that many times, but it really stands out in my mind when talking about this. So we want to make sure that community is built within our walls, our school, but within our classroom walls as well to ensure those learning outcomes. And if this is the case, you know, my first question is, is your classroom missing that puzzle piece? Is it, uh, do the students see that you are trying to build relationships with them? Do they see that you care? Do they sense a connection there? Because if that puzzle piece is missing, you as the teacher is the only one that can fix that to start with. Yes, community or relationships, however you want to word, are just so important. As humans, we want to belong. And when that need is not being met, key connections in that environment are missing. So before we go on to the third area of mindset or measurement, can you talk with us, maybe just parking here for a minute, talk with us about some ways that community or those re relationships can be built in the classroom? Sure. Building a community, it doesn't dismiss discipline. I think that is often um, what teachers may think, you know, well, if I build that community, that means I can't have discipline or be firm. And that's not at all what it is referring to. I, I believe that building that community is, first of all, setting those clear expectations and rules at the very, very first day and, and working on that. Uh, students must know their boundaries and they need to know what's expected of them. That is a security for children in today's time. Um, so I feel like that is first and foremost what needs to be done. Another way to build community is encouraging that student collaboration, getting them involved in the learning process. And we hear a lot of that, but on a day-to-day -day routine, it has to be intentional for that to be done. Um, probably one of the most important ways to build community, though, is fostering kindness in your classroom. And that, to me, stems into so many other areas. It must start with us as a teacher, though. If the students do not see kindness from you as a teacher, it's hard for us to teach them to be kind to each other. And so we must demonstrate that, and that is very clear in God's word as well. That should be demonstrated across our lives. I believe that fostering that kindness is very important. Now, that's teacher to student, but we can also build that community student to student. I feel like that's very important because we are training them every day in their lives and how to act and how to do things. So, for example, set class goals to promote teamwork among your students. Have students share compliments with each other. You know, instead of tearing each other down, no, we're going to stop and we're going to share compliments about that particular student. Or maybe we're going to spend a certain time each week doing that. I love the idea of writing shout outs on post-it notes and displaying them around the classroom. I feel like that is a way, number one, for students to put their mind on others instead of themselves, but also 
it's building that community student to student. And I think it's important teacher to student, but it's also very important student to student. And things such as these will foster that nurturing, loving environment that truly in the end yields much success in that learning environment. So it goes back to the question, will our classroom be that community this year? Will we work hard to build that? And it's got to be an everyday process. It can't just be, oh, today I think I will build that and tomorrow, you know, it, it won't work that way. Um, now, this is not easy. It's not an easy task every day. Prayer, we have to pray for that every day. Maybe minute by minute, there's days we have to pray about that. Uh, but it reminds me of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and 23. And imagine what our classrooms would truly be if we're striving every day to display those fruits of the Spirit to our students, to our parents, to our faculty in the hallways of our school. Um, it truly starts with us. And, and I think if these are displayed throughout each day, that's going to foster that nurturing and loving environment, which will then pass on to our students that hopefully in turn, they will do that with each other as well. And in the end of the day, your learning is coming from all of that because of the environment being what it should be. Yeah, those are excellent. Okay, so we've talked about growth versus fixed mindsets. We talked about community versus just classroom management straight up. All right, so what's our third? So measurement three is growing individuals versus teaching subjects. Now, this measurement does not involve just choosing one, though. Uh, a passionate teacher would desire to do both of these. Uh, some teachers go in each day and just want to dish out material. Well, a passionate teacher is going to see that growing individuals and teaching subjects goes hand in hand. It has to, and especially in our, our Christian schools as Christian teachers. I like to think of it this way. Um, teaching the subjects is a mean to growing the individuals. God has given each of us a special opportunity to do what we love or hopefully we love and reach out to children at the same time. It reminds me of what Jesus expresses clearly in his word about us as humans, about children in also. Children were very important to him. Therefore, they should be very important to us as educators, especially in our Christian schools. I often say as an administrator, a student should not be able to go down the street and receive better treatment, better love than what they're receiving inside of our walls. That should not happen. Um, Genesis 127 tells us that each one is created in his image. Each child we're given is created in his image. First Peter 2.9 says that he chose them. And by the way, he chose them to be in each teacher's classroom. That is for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that he has a purpose for them. And then Jeremiah 31.13 states that he loves them forever. And so Jesus gives us a clear example of how he expects us to treat each of those students. Now, once again, this is not always easy, but I truly believe this separates the good teachers from the great teachers. It truly does. Now, growing them involves discipline. It involves guidance. It involves working through challenges, sometimes 
every 10 minutes with certain ones. Um, it involves difficult days, extra effort. But the one thing that stands out in my mind is it involves seeing the positive instead of the negative so many times. I want to refer real quick to a short little story. I came across a video not too long ago that I feel like depicted this very well. Clint was a student that struggled sitting still, struggled being attentive, struggled tapping his pencil on his desk. And we have all had those. And throughout his younger years of school, he was corrected often. There were times that he says in the video he was yelled at, um, sent to the office for discipline. So by the age of 10, he viewed himself as a troublemaker, just a bad child is what he thought of himself as. Until one day he entered the classroom with Mr. Hester. Clint went in his classroom, same behavior, but Mr. Hester handled Clint's choices differently. And he held him after class one day and Clint just knew that he was in trouble again. He could almost think in his mind what Mr. Hester was going to say to him. Mr. Hester looked at Clint and ask him if he had ever thought about being a drummer. And Clint had never thought about that and looked at Mr. Hester and said, no. Well, Mr. Hester pulled the desk drawer out and a set of drumsticks were in his desk drawer. And he hands those to Clint and he says to him, Clint, I do not think you're a problem. I think you're a drummer. And from that moment on, Clint never put the drumsticks down. Uh, later in life, he became a well-known drummer um, from what this video tells us. And the point of that is Mr. Hester believed in him and Mr. Hester saw something in him that he didn't even see in himself. That was very convicting to me. Now, tapping a pencil on a desk was one of my pet peeves, I will be honest and say. But did I ever think about taking that behavior and using it as an opportunity? Unfortunately, I can't say that I ever did. It was correcting the problem and moving on. And seeing the positive in this child, as the story goes, completely changed his life. And so in those students, seeing the positive versus the negative truly allows for that student to grow. And it gives us opportunities that the Lord has laid before us. And truly, that's what we're there for. So, you know, are we that teacher? Are we the one that's going to see beyond the little troubles and truly help grow them? Teaching them the subjects we need to teach, but also the other opportunities that lie before us. And so my question in measurement three is, Will you help grow individuals this year in, in both directions, subjects and in their lives? And that's such a great question, such a convicting question. It's so easy to focus on what we need to accomplish, what lessons need to be done, what tests need to be given. And we pass over those incredible opportunities that the Lord has given us. And really, our most important responsibility is helping students grow, not covering the book. So that's fantastic, Natalie. So as we wrap up, could you do a quick review of these three measurement contrasts or mindset contrasts that you discussed? They were fantastic. And I just want to make sure we get all three of them solidified before we sign off for today. Sure. So measurement one 
Will you have a growth mindset this year as an educator? We want that in our classrooms, so we need to be that as a teacher. Um, measurement two, will your classroom be a community this year? Will we work hard to build those relationships? And measurement three, will you as an educator help grow individuals this year? These are so impacting. And you know, as we look at this list, these mindsets, these measurements are attainable. This isn't a list of impossibilities. If you do a self-evaluation and you see a mindset or one of these measurements that needs to be adjusted, do it. And I'm, I'm applying this to myself as well. We can do this. And with the Lord's help, we can be successful at that. And a change in mindset is going to impact not just you, but those you minister to and with. And ultimately, most importantly, it pleases the Lord. So these are excellent, Adelaide. I just this is so challenging, and I really, really appreciate you taking time to share these. So as we wrap up this episode, I want to take time to jump into a listener question quickly. And Natalie, I would love your insights as well. So let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm from Northern Illinois, and I just had a question about how in the world do you help students who just like can't seem to get past making mistakes on their pages, or they go back and they make multiple erasings, you know, to fix things, or they pout if they make mistakes and they just can't get past it to go on to finish the work, or they want a new page because they've made a little bitty mistake on a project. I just wanted to know if you have any helps for how to um, reach a student like that and help them get past that. That's an excellent question. Perfectionism is not a badge of honor. We appreciate students who want to give their best, but without a balance and without being addressed, I, you know, I don't think we have any disagreement that perfectionism can really take a toll on students and really on the adults in their lives as well. High expectations are fine, but for you know, perfectionism itself means that they will never be satisfied. And that's so frustrating. They worry if they'll ever get things right, if they just have to keep doing and redoing, and they really don't get to enjoy the success of achievement. Natalie, what are your thoughts or experiences with this? Well, I tended to have that personality as a child. And so I can relate to this question uh, as well as what we talked about today. I believe that perfectionism is definitely a fixed mindset. So you want to work hard to change that, to help them change that mindset. And, and that comes from teaming up with the parents as well and working together with mom and dad, possibly grandparents, to not only change this at school, but to also change this at home and make sure they're not feeling the pressure from home that they are displaying in the classroom because sometimes that may be where it's coming from. And that can be a hard conversation with parents to have, but it is necessary because it, it builds a lot of unnecessary thoughts and feelings and just all the way around that don't need to be in that child. I do believe a nurturing environment is very important to offset some of this because if they feel that their teacher has expectations above what they feel like they might can do, this may be the way that they react to that. So yes, we ha have high expectations as teachers, but we also want them to know that we will love them even through the mistakes and that God did not make any of us perfect. I believe within a Christian school, this is an easy topic to discuss, maybe not to fix, but to discuss 
because we weren't made perfect, he doesn't expect perfectionism. Therefore, as teachers, we should not expect perfectionism and encouraging that child to not want to be that way. I truly feel like it's a team effort there, but it really goes back to the spiritual in teaching them through the Bible what God's Word says and making them understand that's not the way they want to live, nor is it the way that He intends for us to be. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you tied that right back to those mindsets we just talked about. You know, as I was thinking through this as well, depending on what age you're working with, it's important to try to drill down and find out what is driving that perfectionism. Is it a pressure for grades, maybe to play sports, or maybe like you mentioned, it's a parent expectation. Is that child feeling a competition with other children? Is it a family trait? Is it a need for praise or even the result of feeling inferior or inadequate for some reason? You know, So there's a number of reasons that could be behind perfectionism. And having an idea of what that child is trying to accomplish or why can really give us some insights into helping that child. Perfectionism causes daily frustrations, and that can lead to anxiety and really high stress and even beyond that. And that's dangerous. It can be very dangerous. And when we respond in frustration or intensity, we can also further uh, aggravate that situation for the student. So you're right. It is so important to help that student understand that we are working to do our best for the Lord. But that does not mean we have to or that we will be perfect. And praising that student for their hard work and their best effort is so helpful. And it really takes the focus off the perfection aspect of it. It's really important for them to understand that they are in Christ and who they are in Christ. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to try to prove something. God made them just who they are. That's wonderful. And I think it's really important also for us to model appropriate responses to our own imperfections, you know, such as, I don't know. That's okay. That shows we're not perfect. We don't have anything, everything all in order. Or maybe even when we forget something, think out loud, you know, and talk with them. Oh, I forgot to do that today. That's okay. We can do that tomorrow. And we just modeled for them how to deal with something that's not absolutely perfect. There wasn't a meltdown or a declaration of failure, but instead just a recognition of a forgotten item and determining how to fix it appropriately, both, you know, in how and in timing. It's just so important, I think, for us to be real and share times with them when we make mistakes and how we handle them and then really encourage them to do that as well and take some of the pressure off. It's important that we as teachers as you mentioned, don't place unnecessary pressure on them as well, such as, you know, rewarding only perfect papers or always pointing to that student that's always perfect. Goals should be attainable and monitored. And if it's too much for a student, regroup so they see that success. And then, of course, monitoring that student was something that popped in my mind, just always checking that level of stress. It's important Also that we bring the parents in on that. And I love that you pointed that out because right away bringing them in and how can we work together? And I didn't even think about it. I love that you pointed out seeing how this is maybe playing out at home as well. And we can work together to pull back on that stress. So looping them in right away is so important. And again, based on the situation, there are some really easy strategies such as limiting the number of papers they can have. If they have a whole pack, they're going to blow right through it or maybe limiting their time. And we don't want to put a time crunch on them, but just helping them to learn to pace and keep moving. Maybe even for students who erase over and over, have them use a pen 
and also helps you see where their, their thought process and where they've come from. If they keep erasing it, you don't know where they've come from, really. So seeing that up there on their paper is helpful. And again, more than anything, it's not the hard or fast rule or the timed assessment. It's our relationship with that student and our heart to see them as an individual created by God and growing where they need it as we all are. And it's not obsessing over being perfect. I think you hit that right in the head of what you shared as well. Do you have any other thoughts or concluding ideas on that? I think another phrase I thought of as you were um, just wrapping up too is teaching them the word excellence. I think excellence versus perfection because the Lord does want us to strive for excellence. Um, but helping them understand the difference in that. And that may involve, like you were saying, setting small goals. You know, instead of trying to have a 100 plus, A plus writing paper, then let's start with small goals. Um, and, and sometimes they don't know how to filter those thoughts that they're having about the perfectionism. Um, but I feel like focusing on the word excellence in the classroom versus perfectionism is another way to just help change that mindset. Yeah, excellent thought. This has been another practical and very uplifting episode on the podcast. Natalie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you again for this opportunity. I enjoyed sharing my thoughts and these ideas, and hopefully it will be a great help to those that listen. And thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was. Remember to go to teacheredictionpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day. Every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and His grace working in you. So go do what God has called you to do.